Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles, your favorite daily Florida State sports talk show brought to you by betonline.net and my parents' basement. That's right. Like every 30-year-old millennial, I've decided to move back in with my parents for two weeks um, on vacation. And then I'll be back in Atlanta. But for now, y'all get the mobile command center. And regardless, you still get a great show with me and your co-host, Drizzy Drake. Rogers, Tally, underscore, underscore, Drake. We've got a lot to talk about today. Today is going to be more of a, well, it's going to be more of theoretical physics than applied mathematics. We're going to talk a little bit about the Amarius Mems situation, but we've all heard about that. And that's going to segue us into a conversation of what does this recruitment signal to the rest of the nation and coming up recruits about where Florida State is in the pecking order. And finally, we want to touch on where is Florida State viewed in the tiers or the echelons of college football at this point after having been down for five years? Are we a sleeping giant like USC has been viewed as, or are we a never getting back like Nebraska or Colorado? Drake, roll the video. Let's start the show. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, it's probably been so long that there are people who are going, what do you mean a Colorado? Yeah, folks, Colorado won a national championship in the 90s. So that's uh, that shows you how quickly it can go south on you. But thanks for stopping by. We appreciate having you here at Locked on Seminoles. You can probably hear I'm a little congested, but I'm going to power through for y'all because I know y'all would power through for me. Let me know that you would, though, by hitting the subscribe button, liking the video, and make sure you comment. The mailbag is getting pretty full. Microventure Fund. I know you got you had a great question come in. Um, I know that France, oh, who's the guy that all, we have a couple great ones from our guy with the purple logo. I know that you've got a few good ones. The name is escaping me at the moment because I'm not looking at it. But if you want to be a Mailbag Monday, get the questions in today, Thursday as you're listening to it. Could also leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and put your question in that way. But Drake, that's enough about me. How are you? You're back at the home, the home command center. Nah, Max, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just got back from work, you know, about to dive into some dinner. But I'm excited to be back with you and the folks here today to talk about some FSU football and also kind of do a little case study, if you will, but where we are in actually the entire national landscape. That is a great word. I think that case study is my most and least favorite word. Um, you do do enough time in school, you'll you'll grow to hate that word. But I, I, I do want to talk about the Amarius Mims situation a bit. If you have been following it at all, then you already know what I'm going to say. If you weren't following it, that, that's okay. I'll give you the very, very high-level cliff notes. Amarius Mims is an offensive tackle at Georgia. He's six foot seven, 330 pounds. We have not had a good offensive tackle in like a decade at this point. So when he entered the transfer portal, we were very excited. Alex Atkins had a great relationship with him during his recruitment. He decided to make an official visit to Florida State. And we heard rumblings that his other option was Miami. So... He comes into campus. He does his official visit. Uh, there was a whole scandal where, not scandal, but a whole, you know, rigmarole of one of the news outlets decided to break the news that he had committed early. Uh, they can say that they said intended to commit. They didn't. We have the internet and nothing goes away. I don't know what, it, it, that aside, he um, 
was headed to meetings on Friday with the coaching staff to do the photo shoot with the Florida State gloves and uniform on, the whole deal. And his, like, I mean, I, I'm not going to pretend to know the kid, so I don't want to over-contextualize, but what we were told was a very close friend, friend of the family, you know, a kid his age who he was close with, his mom was close with the mom, the whole deal. Uh, everyone has those kinds of friends, passed away in a uh, pretty tragic car accident. And um, obviously, like, Who's gonna fit, who's gonna go to meetings about a football team at that point? Like he did what any of, of us would do. He got in his car with his mom, and they went back home to to go be with the family and literally just completely normal human stuff. Um, I don't know if y'all have ever y'all have ever moved, but it's tough. And uh, Drake, I will say this: it's like I was thinking about it, and people people kind of put it in the context of the football team, but like these kids also have friends and apartments and lives and girls. Dude, and all moving this stuff. sucks, man. But I'm saying like, they have a whole life at their university. So like, I can see why having a big event like that would make you say, you know what? I don't need a big change right now. Let me just do my thing. So he decided to remain at Georgia. Yeah. That's the cliff notes. Five-star offensive tackle, former transfer portal entrance comes to Florida state, leaves the visit early for tragic reasons. Not because he, not because we did anything wrong. And yeah, he ends up staying at Georgia. Now, we have so many questions about this and not questions, but conversation topics. And the first, first thing I want to throw your way, Drake is like, do you put any blame on the coaching staff for this? I mean, is there, is there anything that I said where it's just, we're kind of a victim of circumstance that, that you'd like to add or build on, or, or is that pretty much sum it up? I mean, with, I, so the way whenever I criticize or I have like qualms about anything, I kind of look to see what I have in front of me. It's like my as an attorney, like you have evidence to, you know, evidence to basically say like, oh, if I have all of this ammunition right now, why in the world do I need like, you know, to reach for something or make something up or, or fabricate to make something up bigger than it is? Like to me, the men's one is an example. Like, I mean, you just said it like the kids, literally a close friend, close family friend passed away, you know, thoughts and prayers to him and the family of, of the of the kids. So to me, I wouldn't fault with that. I just think it's more that I don't, I've already didn't think this staff would close period. I just don't think that this situation overall, um, actually like wouldn't even help or change that because I just, so it was just such something out of the blue that just something just like, we're just randomly happened. So to me overall, like, no, I don't, I think it's actually kind of unfair. And that's coming a lot from me to say that because we already have so many other examples where they can close. I don't think we need to fabricate one here. Huh. That's kind of a unique angle. I don't think I've heard people take, I mean, people have looked at us, don't blame them because this wasn't in their control, but not of like, we have so many examples of them sucking. So let's use those. Yeah. Um, no, that, I mean, that's like, listen, like, I don't know. That's just, that, that's not how I've treated, that's how I've treated like everything in life. It's not even just football. It's just like, basically it's like, Hey, you know, if I already have enough reasons why I don't, I don't like you, I don't need to make up some more or I don't need to lie about it. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. That's, I mean, look, that's fair. And I think, I, I think for me, yeah, I don't, I don't really put any blame on the coaching staff. I think if anything, this sends a pretty positive message nationally. And I know that I'm Mr. Optimistic. I'm not saying it's a good thing. In no way am I saying what happened was a good thing. I would much rather have him coming to Florida state, but we are very quick to forget that there is an alternate universe in which he goes to Miami instead of Florida state. And I think that that might have been an absolute death blow on the recruiting trail. I, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it's been the theme of this recruitment. We said that this was a must land for the staff. Here's the, what, what's it called in the law with the where you let people out of a force majeure. Like this is kind of a mm -hmm. force majeure situation where it's like act of God, act of nature type thing. I'm not going to hold the coaching staff accountable for this one of like when I said I'm done with them if they don't land this one. 
But that being said, if you had lost him to Miami, I would have felt that way, right? He goes to Miami. That basically signals to A, the state, B, the country, and C, every kid that's going to be recruited for the next year or two that Miami is doing things better than Florida State because a guy can just come in out of nowhere and start pulling top recruits. And you're, yeah, State. exactly. In year one, and basically, what does it say about like wh- what faith would you have in Norvell when he gets stuffed into a locker by Mario Cristobal, who's only been on campus for two for about what's going to be about four months? Like that to me just shows like how like he doesn't have faith in the staff. Why should even the fan base have faith in the staff? Why should even the players have faith in the staff? Or also, you discussed the other day where we couldn't replace any, any coaches with you know we wanted to replace Dugans, we wanted to replace some other people on staff. Why would any coach want to come here to, you know, upgrade our staff if Norvell is basically a dead man walking? That's kind of what showed that case. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got to tell the folks about about one of our favorite sponsors. But um, after on the other side of that, I, I, I'd like to talk about that thread, actually, it, it, about Mike Norvell being on the, quote, hot seat. And it's going to involve some very typical Max Moody massaging the definitions to make it uh, to, to give a nuanced explanation. So. Before I do that, folks, we are brought to you by a few people. BetOnline.ag is your or net is your title sponsor, and Athletic Greens is one of our main sponsors as well. Athletic Greens makes green juice not suck. All right, you guys have all seen the funny commercials, right, from like the '90s, and it was always that weird guy in the sitcom that would drink the healthy juice, and everyone's like, "What? Oh, that's disgusting." Athletic Greens provides all the value of those types of drinks with none of the disgusting green juice taste. Um, in fact, it kind of becomes funny. It's like, oh, it's green, but it's not gross. So you enjoy it. I've been hitting Athletic Greens every morning. I don't blame this little head cold on them. In fact, they're probably the only thing stopping it from being a flu cold. So thanks to Athletic Greens. Make sure you all go to athleticgreens.com slash locked on, and they will hook you up with some discounts, some free starter packs, all that. I, I'm on one monitor today, so I don't have my copy up, but I do know that I went there and I got what they're offering at athleticgreens.com slash locked on. And I've really enjoyed it. So I like to stay healthy. I like to stay fit. I'm on the road all the time as a consultant. So if I can do it, you should do. Athleticgreens.com slash locked on. And this is a theoretical conversation. Theoretical conversations always go better with a little, little blue bottle. So, uh, Driz, I wanted to pull on that thread about hot seat a bit. This was not what I intended to talk about, but the thought occurred to me that we get very, you get very into these conversations of is Mike Norvell in the hot seat? And we don't really define what the hot seat is. And I think he's kind of a Schrodinger's cat situation. Meaning, if we are to open the box, i.e. opening the box in the situation is him winning five games this year, six games this year, he dies, right? He's fired. He's on the, or he's on the hot seat, whatever. If we keep the box closed and we win eight games, is keeping the box closed in this, it doesn't necessarily mean he's alive because we never opened the box to figure out what the ramifications of that would be. And you may be thinking, Max, where are you going with this? Well, I'm making a simple point. Yeah, but this say we're going with this. <laughs> until the, this means until the win total for next year hits seven or eight, which is very likely to be in the second to last or the last game of the season, he is both on and not on the hot seat. Because if he loses the next two games, he will go on to the hot seat. If he wins them, he's not on it immediately, but he's still going to be in a contract year the next year and can't afford to have a bad year that year. You got an so extension in both Remember states. That. I thought the extension was to next year. I think it's, it's, I think it's through 2024. Whatever. 
it, it was a verbal extension. Have we even seen terms on it? Did they ever sign anything? Not that we know of. Yeah, they, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, yeah, show me, yeah, show, show me it on paper. We'll talk about it. But, so my point is, well, I already made my point, but I think Mike Norvell is on deck for the hot seat right now. And I don't know how's it working baseball. The guy in front of him could, could get struck out and he doesn't have to go into the batter's box, but all signs point to there is a very realistic scenario where he has to step up to that plate and be in the hot seat swinging for his life. Yeah, and as this year, um, I am in the camp that he already is in the hot seat primarily because, I mean, what did what did Coburn say after he fired Tiger? The standard or something, something about the standard, I don't know. Six and six uh, isn't good enough, right? Yeah. And that's what happens when you fire a head coach after a year and a half, right? Where basically you hold the next guy to the same exact standard. And so far, my man's won three games. And five games, so actually he hasn't even met that already. Now with year three, like you know, the past two years, you and I, Brandon Sano, two four seven, Dave, all across, we've been doing the, we've been trying to dig our way to find the small little sets. Like, hey, he actually is improving the team, right? So this is the final of the year three, where okay, enough of the, enough of the shit. I didn't, I didn't even curl. You're fine. Just proceed. Yeah, enough, like enough of the nonsense that he needs to actually show, sort of not only improve concept, but he needs to be showing. That we're winning these games, the the games that we're supposed to be winning. We can't be, you know, stuck in, you know, losing Jacksonville State or, you know, as the David Duquesne that'll be this year. We can't be, you know, getting blown up away for us at home. We can't be doing all this, all this other all all, no, all this other nonsense that to me, like he is in the hot seat, primarily because the standard he hasn't met so far and recruiting hasn't been good. The one saving grace you had, transfer over Jackson went over to Jackson State. You right now are languishing overall. And you also have the most embarrassing loss in your record. So to me, this is he already is in the hot seat. Now, if he wins six games, I think for some people that'll be a victory because it is a bowl game, right? But I think if he wins six games, he basically will be a lame duck coach heading into the next year. Yeah, no, and that's right. And that's again the the so if y'all don't know, Schrodinger's cat is a theoretical thought experiment where there's a cat inside a box. And there is a poison capsule set to break when the box opens, which will kill the cat. So it was used by, I don't know, Hans or something, Schrodinger to. Oh, I about, thought the man was carrying a dead cat in a box. I didn't know. No, that. no, no. So, so it's if you open the box, um, the, the poison makes, pill breaks and the cat dies. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, you might want to actually just edit and move this up to before I talk about it. Um, and if you keep the box closed, the cat theoretically could be alive, but you have to open the box to see if it's alive, which will kill the cat. So it was a theoretical thought experiment by a guy. I think his name was like Hans or something. Um, Schrodinger, again, quantum physicist, trying to explain how in quantum mechanics, things can exist in two states at the same time because it can, the cat is both alive and dead at all times because there's no way to check that it's alive without killing it. Point is, there we hear the word hot seat and there will be hot debate about if Norvell is on it or not. My point is, if you think he's on the hot seat, you're just defining it the wrong way. I take, uh, you know, our friend Bud Elliott over at 247, I take his point well when he says Norvell's not on the hot seat because he's defining hot seat as maybe getting fired this year. But my point is, if he gets himself into a situation this year where he's pretty much guaranteed to be fired the next year, what's the difference? It's just one, it's 365 days. It's how, I don't know, what do they get paid bi-weekly? It's 26 paychecks. But as far as things go from a fan perspective, it's the same result. Mike Norvell gets fired. So 
in the sense that this year, in my opinion, and it sounds like in your opinion, can cement his getting fired, he's on the hot seat. In the sense that could he get fired this year? I think he'd have to do something really terrible. I mean, he would he have has to, to. He has to literally like win only two or three games. He would have to start like zero and six. I mean, there really is not much. Oh yeah, zero and like, but a total win percentage, you know, maybe three or four. And I, I do think this team's a lot better than that. So I, I don't think there's a realistic scenario where he gets fired this year. I do think there's a scenario where he, you know, sort of writes his own his own. Uh, Death order this year. I mean, I think it's more the fact that you know Willie Tiger's buyout comes off the books in 2024. Sorry, 2023. Basically, once the season is over, and when you, there's no point in firing a guy uh, if you know that basically you know comes off the books, you have to buy him out the next year. So if you don't perform that well this year, why rush? Why pay the extra 18 million dollars? Sorry, 18. Why pay the extra you know 10 to 8 million dollars when you can just wait another year? If you're gonna suck anyways, and in fact, you can save the money. Or when you go after a power five head coach to so the caliber that you want, we already see Mike Alford reportedly already shifting it around, allocating the money from different sporting and put, falling it back over to football. So maybe, just maybe, they already have a feeling that it might come down to that down the wire, down uh, down the, down the way, whether or not Mike is here. Yeah, I will say this: I, I think the plan is very much to at the end of the twenty twenty three season, so not the end of this season, but the end of next season. So really, we're talking two years there is to spend six to eight million dollars a year on a head coach. It's just is that going to be to keep Mike Norvell or is that going to be to bring someone else in? But I have no doubt in my mind from people I've talked to and just from common sense that the plan is going to be to jump into that Mario Cristobal salary range at the end of 2023 when Willie Taggart's off your books and Norvell's coming up for either a big extension or you're looking for someone new. Now, I want to get to the larger conversation at hand of where is Florida State in the pecking order? Because when you look at Mike Norvell versus Willie Taggart, like on paper, yeah, they, Mike's doing the same thing on the field. But to me, he's not. Because I think that Willie started here, like from expectations and momentum, and kind of came down to here. And I think Mike started here, and he hasn't gone up nearly as high as we'd want him to. But you can't deny the fact that he's beaten a top 10 North Carolina team two years in a row. He took a potential playoff team. Do we count that? Because Mac Brown's not good against us, man. I don't that's know. Like, yeah, but that's, 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 that's not that's, how stats That's not that's how like stats that. work, but that's how God works, man. And God has a plan for everybody. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. He's done, he beat Sam Howell twice, right? If you if it's not Mac Brown, it can be Sam Howell. Um, he also took a, a team, which Notre Dame, what they finished fifth in the playoff rankings. Cincinnati drops a game. Notre Dame's a two-year-in-a-row playoff team, and he took that team down to the wire. You missed bowl games in consecutive years. And you Fair. lost Jacksonville State, the first FCS loss in your entire record. Which... Yeah, they're, they're correct, but that doesn't change the fact that this this team on a neutral field beats Willie Taggart's team by fourteen or fifteen. I'm points. not I'm not saying that, but that, to me, those two right there, especially the Jacksonville State loss, and also you see consistently the recruiting misses, misses, misses that we kind of said that you know with Willie should have been better with that, and Norvell would have been able to be closing. He hasn't been able to close at all whatsoever. Like overall, to me, it's not even that one's worse than the other. To me, they're the same. I, I agree, but you're you're derailing us from the larger point of he has changed in one direction or another where Florida State is viewed on the national landscape versus where we were when a Will, when Willie took over and when Willie left. So that's kind of what I want to get to is where are we viewed now? Because I think when Willie left, we were like very much viewed as okay if they get the right like uh, like Florida right if they get a their Dan Mullen they'll win ten games next year. Well, Norvell hasn't done that so. Clearly, if that was the perception, it was wrong. 
And I wonder, have people recalibrated on Norvell, which it sounds like you and I kind of have a little bit, um, or have they recalibrated on Florida State as a program? So that's kind of where I want to go with it of what does this say about us as reputationally in the nation, reputationally in the conference, and, and what people expect of us moving forward? Have we recalibrated? Because me and you both did not want him hired. <laughs> I've seen, I remember those texts. Yeah, but I, I think I think what I mean is I, I do I blame – do I think Norvell could be the guy? I mean, I, I thought at the time when he talked, it, I thought that in November, yeah, I was, I was like, this is so stupid. But I wanted Bob Stoops. But then I did start to believe in him, and now I've been like, eh, maybe it's a Norvell problem, not a program problem, but maybe it's an institutional program problem. Anyway, real quick, betonline.net, folks, our title sponsor. They have odds on literally everything. What I want to know is, have they released USC's win total yet? Because that's No, the, I'm waiting for win totals to drop, honestly. I've been like literally checking every single morning. Well, folks, we'll let you know when win totals drop, and we will have a win total special because, uh, you know, we're not going to have whole gambling episodes for the most part. It's not entirely what we do, but I do love a good win total because you don't have to put money on that. You're just kind of picking, you know, how do we think teams will do, and, and I think – I think that'd be a fun show. Do that for all of our opponents and then try to pick like where's Florida State on there. Um, but anyway, folks, betonline.net should be your gambling gaming partner. Betonline.net, where the game starts. Excuse me. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, I feel like we got, I, I didn't want to get sidetracked into a Mike and, and Willie debate. What I wanted to get into is uh, has Mike, if Mike were to leave today, has he left Florida State better than he found it? Not better than it's been, because that's a hard no, but better than he found it. Because I think there was a moment with Willie Taggart where, although it happened to you at Jacksonville State, where we were like the laughing stock of college football, and it was like, this can't possibly get worse. I mean, goodness gracious. Um, we hadn't missed a bowl game in 35 years. You know, We didn't know what that was like, and now we haven't made one in three years. If we don't make it, I think we'll make one this year, but it's just, it's a whole new paradigm. And you look at what Norvell's doing on the recruiting trail and it's like, he got Travis Hunter and then he didn't. And then we had a Mary's Mims and then we didn't. And that I think has sent this, this fan base through such a roller coaster that it's hard to even think, what do the outside forces see us as? And I know you're on locked on ACC more. You talk to those folks more. I mean, have we gotten to the point where people say, hey, Florida State is just a just a program that can't win anymore? Or have we gotten to a point where it's like we're still one coach away from it and, and people view it as a Norvell problem? Hey, people view it as a Norvell problem. I can tell you that right now. Um, and it's also the fact that basically it's not just us, too. I mean, they we say the same thing about Miami for the past few years. And by the past few years, the past, past few decades. decades. So basically, Two, overall, decades. it's like you look at the ACC overall and like who built conference basically it was fsu and then miami joining 05 what they should have done from the big east but they haven't even been able to win their own conferences they joined us in here so to me overall it's a lot of stuff um i do think that it starts with the institution overall as a whole because we had this very mom pop mentality when it came to college football and then whenever you see these sort of you know these bigger things that actually change the, the landscape uh fos became a big thing in the late you know 20 09s, 08, I think 2010 was like the first one. Clemson was the first one there. It's not surprising that Clemson experienced a probably the best dynasty they've ever had in a 12-year span because they were the first with the FOFs. Alabama followed suit with the same thing. They're fully committing to all that. And overall, it just shows that people aren't committed or they 
understand the commitment to actually be a force overall in the landscape. And they just don't want to do or commit the resources to, to do that. Okay. I mean, we discussed overall in here that we have the largest alumni base in the entire conference. And then like what, less than 2% actually donated to school overall in boosters. Yeah, it's nuts. 330,000. I mean, I don't know if these numbers are right. I got them off Twitter, but I got them from a friend of mine who works for the boosters. And I think he said 300 plus thousand um, active or living alumni from Florida state. And we have like 10,000 givers to the annual fund. Um, but it's not it's, only that too. Also, yeah, also it's basically, we have probably make very startling uh, decisions with who's actually, you know, running the programs overall. Like to me, David Coburn was a, great person for you know balancing the books and you know getting all financials in order that's someone you should not be saddling with determining who should be your next head coach especially because when you're going through a time that we've discussed on here that the, lo the loss of revenue from Taggart's era here was kind of a hole with that so it's like it's that's another thing too as well it, overall it's it's just a, a combobulated mess now with Norvell me and you like we differed on this I never thought he'd be the guy but I always hope that at best he'd be the guy for the next guy, like how Ron Zook was for Florida. But that's right? what I mean. Like, are we viewed that way nationally that that there could be a next guy or has the opinion shifted to it's irreparably damaged? Because I can tell you right now, I don't – I never respected Scott Frost, but I never – I even – I had even less respect for the potential of University of Nebraska or Nebraska University, who cares, um, to win championships. Like, I knew they could have hired literally any coach inclusive of Nick Saban. And I don't think Nebraska is ever going to win a national championship again, or even be close, right? They can be the best three win team in the, in, in, in the world, whatever. I, I don't think Texas A&M has the juice. I don't think Texas A&M is a championship team. I don't really know why I'm not going to pretend to know why, because I haven't been there. Um, I have my suspicions and, and I, I have my, my secondhand knowledge, but dude, they've de dedicated so much money to that program. And they've won their conference in like all their conferences, right? Whatever they were in before and the big 12 and the SEC, like a total of four or five times since World War II ended. I mean, it's mind blowing how much money they spend to suck. And my point is, are we now that team where it's like, hey, no matter what Florida State does, that program, there's just something in the water that it's not. It's just a has been. Or are we Alabama in the early 2000s pre Nick Saban, USC pre Lincoln Riley, where if we get the right momentum, people will say, hey, the sleeping giant's waking up. I don't. So, so right now, I think from how you're seeing, I think the hire of Michael Alford as the AD points me to yes, because I don't think it's a, is as much as basically the results on the field, because I think I'm at the point now where to me, the next guy is going to be coming in. But right now we're trying to showcase that, hey, we are still a prime time destination. The main reason why Nebraska isn't good anymore who the hell wants to go out and play in Nebraska? Also, what talent did they have actually in the state over there? And also, right now, we already know that all the best talents for football is primarily in California, Texas, and a lot of school business players are also in That's Florida. Right. So we're always going to have that in our backyard. Even the three stars, diamonds in the rough. There's a lot more diamonds down here than anywhere else. So to me, overall, like we, we are a sleeping giant, primarily because it seems that we're starting to finally get the commitment that football does deserve. However, we need to be consistent with that. If, you know, four to five years from now, we see that Alfred is gone and we don't have a, a plan in place to kind of replace him with someone that he wants to actually be there, then you might have you might have to raise the question whether or not we'll actually ever be where we want to be overall come to football. Yeah, and I, and I guess that's, that's, that's the heart of the question is, have we reached the status where we can't be counted out no matter how many years we lose in a row? Because I think that, you know, Dave is very quick to – 
jump to like, oh, well, if we have this many losing seasons, it's over. If it's this, it, and I disagree. I think what you just said is spot on. People count Nebraska out because of all the institutional issues there. They decided to leave the Big 12, a conference where they actually could compete and go be the little brother of the Big 10. They don't really have a cemented rivalry anymore because they don't play Oklahoma all the time. So that tradition is gone. They don't have a place where people want to go. I mean, no offense to anyone living there, but there are very few people that come from football heavy states that would rather live in Nebraska than live in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, California, Texas, New Mexico, Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, a lot of places. I thought he was searching the song. <laughs> so my, my, but no one ever counted USC out. There was never a time during Lane Kippen or Clay Helton that I ever said, or anyone that knows anything about football ever said, oh, USC will just never come back. They've said Oregon will never get there. But everyone's known that it was just the right, waiting for the right set of circumstances and the right special sauce that USC was going to be back on the scene. I would like to believe that we're that. But here's a couple differences between us and USC. One, we don't have the booster base. We just don't. Guys, I hate to tell you this, and y'all know I'm a huge Florida State fan. Got the hat on. I love this school. I give money to this school, and I will until I die, and I'll go to football games until I die. But I'm talking about the long-term prospects of us attaining national relevance consistently, which, anyway, we don't have the booster base. We have like 10,000 people that give money. And right now, our indoor practice facility and our Champions Club is named after a guy who didn't even go to Florida State. He just went somewhere that would name buildings after him for a relatively inexpensive amount of money. And that's what he got. He's dead, by the way. He's not going to give us any more money. And I know the people that are giving money right now. There aren't a lot of names getting slapped on buildings. There's not a lot of people writing. University of Virginia, by the way, today just closed a $40 million check. We don't have that coming. We just don't. So unless people step up and do their part, we're not going to have the money to compete in this space. And don't talk about NIL because to me, NIL is just a black market becoming a, a, a in the in the light market, right? Like a, a legal market. Bagmen always existed. And it's the same schools doing NIL. We're the same ones dropping bags if we're being honest with ourselves here. Texas A&M, Alabama, Tennessee, nothing's changed. The numbers have gotten bigger, but nothing's changing. The other thing we have that's different than you, that USC does not have the problem of, Drake, is you mentioned the talent richness of both states. However, USC does not have credible threats to poach talent from their backyard. If USC is good, the best of the best, minus the one kid that just went to Oregon, which was actually a, a big win for Dan, Dan Lanning, will go to USC. It's USC and then everyone else. And USC has to be pretty bad for everyone hey, else hey, to get involved. Hey, don't, don't count out Chip Kelly at UCLA. The man can recruit. Okay. Okay. Sure. I try to make a joke, man. I'm sorry. Sure. I tried. Sure. I tried. Sure. I tried. I tried. No, you're right, though. But we have the entirety of the SEC now poaching Florida talent. And you talk about the diamonds in the rough, which you're right about. But a lot of those kids now are going to the ever prevalent, ever nationally televised and seeing a higher influx of money in the Sun Belt and the MAC. And those conferences are getting full, filled up with those previously found diamonds in the rough. USC doesn't have that problem because the kids from California, some do go to Alabama, some do go to Georgia. I'm not saying that that but doesn't so happen. Far, it's so few far between gets so damn far away. Exactly. If a kid says, eh, Florida State's not quite where I want him to be. Guys, Athens is not that far from Florida State. And if they're from South Florida where they're taking a plane anyway, it's like an extra hour on a plane to get to Atlanta, an extra hour in a car to drive up to Athens. It's it's not it's not a massive – and in fact, I don't know. 
tell Florida, to Tallahassee, don't you probably connect through Atlanta or Charlotte half the time anyway? Because there's no. No, you fly straight through. Actually, it's, it's okay. like a, yeah, it's like a fifty minute, fifty five minute flight, American Eagle flight. But either way, um, so USC doesn't have that. So USC has a better donor base that we don't have, and they don't have the talent vultures circling around. Where if we were to magically get an influx of of great coaching and money, there's still a lot of competition for our homegrown talent. And the final thing that USC has that we don't is they have a much more, how do I put this? I don't want to say easier path to the playoff because the PAC 12 and the ACC are similar, but I do think that for some reason right now, if they get good again and then start sucking in, they won't have this. But I think that right now, if they go undefeated, they are penciled in as a guaranteed playoff spot because it's USC and people know the market and it's, a, it's being, the, one of the most prevalent brands in the history of college football. Right. I mean, O.J. Simpson played there. Matt Liner, even I figured Matt Barkley like, got them to like a number five overall. Like, like that to me, when I, like my, the first college football game I ever watched was Vince yeah. Young versus Matt Liner. Like to me, like I will always know what the red and gold looks like. And yeah, it, you like, watch Reggie Bush. It was yeah. great. Oh, I love Reggie Bush and Lendo White. That, but overall, like that to me, you think in college football, one of the first names to come up is Notre Dame. USC is also right there too. Yeah, like one of my first memories, not first memories, but like when I think back on when I became aware of college football at large, one of the first things that pops in my head is it would have been, I guess, 06, maybe. I You tell September. me when this would have been, right. But it was watching game day and it was the USC Notre Dame game. And there was this hilarious sign that was that said, no Bush to push, referencing the year before when Bush. It's like, I still remember that because that's how televised and played and replayed and discussed those games were. Now, we were the same way. So that I think we're on equal footing with them, but we've also won a national championship in the past 10 years. USC is coming up on 20 years. So if they win their conference this year and they go undefeated, they're in the playoff, plain and simple. That's why if you go to these books, the odds are stupid for them to make it to the playoffs. It's the worst value bet you can probably make, but people are expecting it because it's USC. If we had landed Lincoln Riley, Heck, if we'd landed Bob Stoops, I don't know if the expectation, well, it would have because I was pre-taggered. But if we'd done it the second time around, I don't know the expectations quite jump that way. So when I look to kind of bring this all in for a landing from my perspective at the national landscape, I worry that we're starting to be viewed as irrelevant and that we're starting to be viewed as like, yeah, they're okay. And when I look at the Amarius Mims situation, it kind of makes me feel like I'm being too pessimistic because that kid came down for an official visit and he would not have done that guaranteed would not have wasted his time if the money wasn't there and people outside of Florida state within his sphere of influence weren't telling him that Florida state could be a great program again. So that gives me some optimism. I honestly, for the ministry, I put that more that Alex Atkins is really freaking good at his job. And that's someone that you, he has a record of actually developing talent from, was it, where, where was Charlotte from? Like, is that the Sun Belt or is that one of the uh, the smaller group of five, you know, conferences? Uh, dude, I don't know. Probably. The, I mean, yeah. he developed kids, kids from that school to actually play and currently start in the NFL. And it's already known for a fact that I think Peeves talked about it on one of the spaces that he hosted that. He is a relentless workhorse, and he's also someone that will tell it to you straight. So to me, that I honestly probably give more of the active relationship with Mims. But, I mean, you are right to an extent where, like, FSU is still a brand, still a logo, but I can tell you that a lot of people just, 
it's the past of the past. And now I'm worried that a lot of the, a lot of the fans will start to be kind of the point where like we make fun of Miami or saying like you know hey remember back in the good old days or we you know back in the back in the day before in the off season them were born. Yeah, before none of them were born, but now it's starting to get to the point where like we're FSU, we should be this, we should be that. It's kind of to the point where I mean FSU is a very young program. Sometimes the fan base at times could be extremely spoiled and kind of has to realize that we're in a long, long rebuild. And right now we might not have the guy, but it's going to be painful and the growing pains aren't fun. And people need to realize to get back to where we want to go. It will take some time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, look, I, I get what you're saying about the relationship with Atkins. I, I want to clarify. I'm not saying why he had the initial discussions. I'm saying he would not have come to campus if the money wasn't there. Plain and simple. That Like – he doesn't need to be developed. That kid's going to the NFL no matter what. He could just sit out the next. Oh two no, I'm years. not. I'm not. I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying, like, if you, if money was a bigger thing, he probably wouldn't even have gone to like actually got on the portal, honestly. Right, but I'm. That's what I'm saying. I'm downplaying the Atkins relationship in the sense that that got us in the door. But what kept him at our table was the money, because we know that Miami was putting. I mean, the, technically, the school can, but the Miami powers that be were putting together a substantial package for him. So him coming to Florida State signals that. We were in the ballpark, and that should tell other five-star recruits we're willing to get in the ballpark. And I think that we should take that as a positive of, A, our national view, because, dude, we've got we've got players who won a national championship's kids not coming to our school. Like, that's how little they respected the national brand two years ago, and it's probably still about like that. So we have to get that just initial respect back. And having a five-star offensive tackle come to the campus for one of his official visits tells me, all right, we're not as far off as it may feel like we are in, in the darkest of days. I mean, I don't think we're that far off, but I think you're putting a little more t- too much weight into like Amarius Mims. I don't think I don't think some guy, a bunch of five-stars are going to know who Amarius Mims is, right? I kind of just that's where I kind of guess where I'm coming from. Like, I, I get what you're saying. It, it makes you feel a little bit better because, like, it's some of his caliber like, is entertaining the entire prospect. But I just don't think that, like, it's not entertaining. He's, he's not it, it, was, well. it was communicated to him. Sorry. Through pro. I'm saying, like, it, yeah. they have people that talk to people. Yeah, these kids don't, they may not know, but they're, are we allowed to say street agent? Their advisors will know, right? And they will ask people who will know and they'll say, hey, well, you know, what was Florida State? You know, were they offering it? Was their offer competitive? Not Florida State, sorry. Was Rising Spears offer competitive? Was it not? Is Mike Norvell going to be fired in a week? Is he not? Is the program stable? Could they actually win some games? And it seems like by Amarius Mims making that visit, he got good answers to those questions, which tells me that like people on the outside looking in are answering those questions positively, which going back to the the dark, hey, this is how it feels, like no one cares about us anymore and we're going to fade to irrelevance, may be hyperbolic and it's like, all right, Max. Let's go up. Yeah, I'm about to say, I don't some th- positivity. Yeah, I don't think that's. I think that's my kind of where me and you have a disconnect because I think you have that fear. And I just think that's like the way where we are located right now. And I've seen actually the, the school actually finally do take when it comes to like personnel, someone who actually is in charge and actually knows what he's doing. You see Rising Spirit too as well. Like overall, I don't have that fear. I just think it's more that we already aren't seen as a legitimate threat to anybody right now. We're not. I mean, the entire time we, we've been discussing in the lockdown, to see how Virginia might win the entire conference. How Clemson might be starting to fall. So overall, like to me, it's like we need to start first working on getting back to there too. Anyways, so then do you not have that fear because it's already happening? Is that what you're saying? Like, it's not that we're not like. So what? What are you asking? Like you're saying, you don't have the fear of us not being relevant, but then you just went on to say that because we're totally irrelevant and like no one, 
no one thinks we can win anything. Right now, we're right now as of today, like we're the state of the programs. We're irrelevant to winning the CFP. That's how I feel about that. We're, yeah, we're not so, in that conversation. So more in the more in the sleeping giant category. Then, yeah, like, like the, right now, yeah. like we're not on the radar. That's, for, that's what I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. So in other words, if you could have a blank checkbook and mm-hmm. whatever you want for the program, do you think there would be a path to get us back to national relevance? Whether that means winning doesn't mean winning a championship, but at least being like a Notre Dame in the conversation every year. What do you think the horizon to do that would be? Again, blank check, whatever coach you want, get the NIL money, you know, within reason. Basically, you're doing what USC is doing. How long do you think it takes for us to get get back to relevance? It is April 20th, 2022. I think it would take us about three, maybe four years. Four years? I thought you were going to say four weeks. Um, Listen, I man, I know what a bad rebuild looks like. I know what bad management looks like. I've suffered it through it for many, many years as, sport, as a sportsman of a lot of my teams down here. So, But I also know how what it takes to perform and actually have a crop, proper culture. Just look at the Miami Heat right now. So to me, like, it takes a little bit of time. It does. But also, I, and we also need to understand, too, that if something is already, like, if you can tell something's not working after three years, Maybe just maybe just like you got to cut bait, cut bait and cut your losses as soon as possible. I'm not saying do it now, but as soon as possible, chance that you can. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I, there is no scenario where I'd want Mike Norvell fired this year. I just think that we can't afford that. Hell, he can set himself up to get fired with his actions this year. Which, um, anyway, look, we're, we, we've we've gotten back to where we started, and I think that that's the fun thing about these conversations is that we have a lot of conversations, and there won't be any answers, folks. We all have opinions, but we won't know answers until. You know, really this time next year, we'll know how Florida State finished 2022. We'll know what the roster looks like headed into 23 and all those things in the wheel in the sky keeps on turning as Journey promised us it would in the late 70s or early 80s, whenever that song was written. I'm going to say, is that James Joyce? What is that? No, no, no. It's, it's Journey. The wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Anyway, uh, so folks, so that's enough. That's, so that's enough of that. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, buddy, and please don't download Journey. I love Journey. Actually, I got really, actually got really.